Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today we are starting a series on the supernatural church of which Jesus said, I'll build it and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If our enemy is supernatural, our weapons against him need to be supernatural. And this is a church where we can come and know the supernatural will be displayed in front of us. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian, and welcome back again to Student of the Word. We're glad to have you here today. Boy, is there revival going on. I mean, the, the churches and, and just things around our country and around the world, we're hearing more and more about Jesus Christ, more and more about revival. I know there was a great movie that kicked it off, but churches, I believe, were hungry before that time. And one sad thing about revival is it often is what it takes to kick us back to understand we're a supernatural church. That's what I want to talk about is from the Word of God or what we should be operating and how the church should be operating today as a supernatural church. I'm not just talking about the church worldwide. I'm talking about the local church also. The local church should be an example of what the universal church is, but even better than that, the church ought to be an example of what heaven is going to be like. I mean, I talk to people all the time and say, well, I just don't go to church. Well, then heaven's going to be a shock for you because you may not, you may gripe about things that you see in church. I don't like the music. I don't like how loud it is. I don't, I don't like all the shouting that goes on when people get excited. You know, that's what, and when you get to heaven, you are going to be surprised. In fact, John said of the, in the book of Revelation about heaven, it was so loud up there, it was like the sound of many waters. I finally got a revelation that one day. It's not like just hearing water running. No, it's like standing at the bottom of Niagara Falls. You probably have to yell at each other to hear it. In heaven, that's what praise and worship's gonna be like. There's gonna be such loudness and music and rejoicing in heaven because we've come through life, we've come through the problems of life, we receive Jesus as Savior, and for eternity, we'll be there praising God around the throne of God. So we're gonna talk about in this broadcast and into the next one also about the supernatural church, what God is expecting today. The adversary against the church is Satan. And Satan is a supernatural being. We need supernatural weapons to withstand this supernatural being, but yet we tend to fall back on what we, you know, we, we do surveys of our city and we do different things like that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you don't build your church on that. You might get ideas, but when it comes to building a church, we build it on the supernatural. We need supernatural weapons to withstand a supernatural enemy, and that is Satan. So we're trying to build our own church, but why should we try to build our own church when Jesus said he would build his church? Why don't we do it his way? Find out about his power that comes to assist us in building a church. I realize Jesus wasn't talking about just bricks and, and stone and mortar. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about building his church, but he builds them a person at a time. And this is how we ought to do it. We're looking for the fastest way we can get the most massive number of people in when we don't realize that massive number of people is individuals who need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and angels don't necessarily rejoice over the masses that are saved, they rejoice over one sinner that repents and give his life to the Lord. We need to get the perspective of the importance of one life at a time. 
And whether our church runs 3,300, 3,000, or 30,000, the point of it is God still sees us as individuals. So if we will build the church, like Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, if we do it his way and use his power to assist us in building our church, then seminars and conferences across the country now telling people how to build their church would probably have to just fall back because they're leaving out the most important part, simply opening up the word of God and teaching it and depending on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit for signs, wonders, and miracles. Because if Jesus built his ministry that way and said he'd build his church that way, we need to do it also. We're here for the long haul. Word and spirit driven churches always outlast program-driven churches, and program-driven churches is nothing new. We've had them throughout the centuries, but it often takes a shaking of the Holy Spirit and a revival to get us back to the point we're trying to do it without God's power. We're trying to do it in our own power. Look with me, if you would, at Matthew chapter 16. We're going to take a look at verses 18 through 19. And what I'm offering on this program is simply coming back to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is in my book, Teaching of the Ministries of the Holy Spirit, Life and Power. Life comes from the new birth and power comes from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And this is what, again, causes people to come to the fullness of what God has for them in the Christian life. It's not just a new birth experience. It's also power from the Holy Spirit to get other people saved and and so this is what the book will be offering. And at halftime, they'll come on and tell you how you can have a copy of it all for yourself. Matthew chapter 16, in verses 18 through 19, Jesus said this, I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you will loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. He said, you're Peter on this rock. I'll build my church. Jesus was not speaking that Peter was the rock the church was built on. The church was built on the confession of the lordship of Jesus that Peter gave. When Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, that's when Jesus told Peter, he said, on this rock, I'll build my church. And the rock was not Peter. The rock is the confession of the lordship of Jesus. What turns you into the rock that God can use and place into the church is when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then he goes on to say, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Why is this important? There's not just one key to building a church. There's not just one key to building your Christian life, but many. Notice he didn't say, I'll give you the key to the kingdom. I mean, I've gone to places, seen books on shelves, heard ministers, and they'll call it the key to growth. There is not one key to growth. There's not one key to leading people to Jesus. He said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. What's on that key? ring. There's a key for prayer. Prayer doesn't operate the same. In fact, there's other types of prayer. There's intercessory prayer, all the different things we have there. There's witnessing, there's praise and worship, there's times of quiet before there are all the different keys that God has given us, meditation so we can study the word of God and have it be illuminated in our heart. All these different keys are given to us. The moment we get born again, he gives us a key ring with all types of keys. And you know what I think it is? It's gonna take your entire lifetime to get through all those keys because there's always another one there. You go, what's this one for? And you start to study and you find out that God has things to say in the word of God about all types of subjects, including the problems or the victory that you're going through right now. So Acts chapter 2. In verse 42, here we have a couple of keys to what caused the first church to grow. The one that began on the day of Pentecost, by the end of the day, and they, 
Acts 2.42, they, they, the 3,000 who had just been born again, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. There's key number one. Key number two, fellowship. This is people fellowshipping together, not just fellowshipping with us and God, no, but fellowshipping with people. Why is it important to come to church? There's people you'll see there you can't see through the week. There's people there that you don't fellowship with maybe over breakfast or whatever, but you see in church. My wife and I were coming to church probably, I can't remember how many months ago, but anyway, it was quite a little while ago. But we were walking up on a Sunday morning. The doors were wide open. It was spring and outside were, you know, ushers holding the door open, greeters holding the door open. But you know what? The closer we got, the louder it got because that led into the lobby, the lobby that led into the auditorium. And as we came to that door, the, the conversations inside were so loud, we could hardly hear ourselves think. And I just looked at my wife and said, you know what? This is what heaven's going to be like. Not only times of fellowship with God, but the roar, perhaps the roar that what John heard in heaven was the roar of people of every kindred, tribe, tongue, millions upon multiplied millions, perhaps billions of people who have been saved in their life, became Christians and finding out while they're standing there talking, this is what church was like. Church should be a a replica of what heaven will be like. Church should be that place we go to and we feel as close to heaven on earth. You know, I've been doing some study lately in the word of God in the New Testament, especially on old people since I'm becoming one, on what the word of God had to say about it. That was interesting on the day that uh, Mary and Joseph came to have the baby Jesus circumcised in the uh, temple on the eighth day when they got there, there was two old people. First of all was a prophet that came to them and he talked to them, but next of all was a woman inside the church and uh, she was a prophetess and she had been there. It said that she, in her latter years, she lived in the church. She never departed from the church. And I thought, boy, is that true? When I pastored, we had old people that would just love to have lived in the church. I mean, you come to them and say, well, you guys are here all the time. I know. You're here midweek service. I know. You're hanging around the church all the time. I know. And you say, well, don't you ever want to take a trip? Nope. I have seen everything I want to see. I have seen every country I want to see. I know there's more out there, but right now I don't care. I'd love to spend the rest of my life just here in this church, worshiping God, saying hi to people, greeting people, just being around God's people. I don't care to go anywhere else. What a wonderful thing. So notice again, they continued. This is what church is for. Continued, first of all, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Next of all, fellowship. This could be fellowship with God, but I really think it's more fellowship with each other. And the multitudes of people that come to church, and this is what happened, Acts 2.42, is the beginning of the first local church. And it actually began on the same day that the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church began. In other words, you're part of the church when you get born again, but God wants you to now become a part of a local church. The man that was healed at the gate, beautiful. You know what he did? As soon as he was healed, jumping, leaping, praising God, by the time that he was through jumping, leaping, and praising God, he followed Peter and John into the temple. That's what we need to do. Lead people to Jesus in the streets, see them get healed, delivered, and set free, and then they follow us to church. Why? Because the most important thing after saved is the church, and the purpose of the local church is for the perfecting of the saint. There's two parts to the Great Commission. Number one, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Number two, make disciples of all men. The first one is handled in the streets. This is where most of your evangelism will take place. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, not go into all the churches and preach the gospel because the main purpose of the local church is perfecting the saints or the second part of the Great Commission, make disciples of all men. 
So, and in making of disciples, then people have fellowship with each other. They grow, they learn to grow around each other. And then that gives them confidence as they go into the world to offer what we have in church, what we have through Jesus Christ. So number one was they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This was the teaching of the word of God. Number two was fellowships. And this was meetings where they came together, being together, and it can include eating meals uh, together uh, and all these other things that happen. Happened. So again, the first thing was they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Next of all, in fellowship with each other. Next of all, breaking of bread. This was not only communion, but having meals together. 1 Corinthians 11 speaks of those meals they had. And finally, prayers. And the, one of the best places for prayers is not just in your home because group prayers. I think of chapter 12 here of the book of Acts, and this is how Peter was delivered from prison. There were people in church praying for him. And while they were praying, he was delivered. In fact, delivered so quickly, they couldn't believe he was delivered that quickly. The little girl that went to open the gate said, who are you? He said, Peter. She said, you can't be. You're in prison. He said, no, I'm out of prayer. She said, you can't be. We haven't even already started praying yet. And here you are delivered. Oh, the power of United Prayer in Church. I'll see you right after the break. The Holy Spirit has always been with man, but only in a limited ministry before Pentecost. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit lived in a temple made with hands and came on individuals at certain times to do a certain task. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, not just to let us in, but to let the Holy Spirit out. From that day until this, the Holy Spirit desires to live in every person who will be born again. In Life and Power, Bobby Andian carefully examines the Holy Spirit's ever-present role in our daily life, the types and shadows that explain his ministry, and how the world was changed when he came into the upper room, filling New Testament believers with boldness and power. Life and Power is available in book form as audio CDs or downloads, video DVDs, or as both audio and video on a USB flash drive. To order Life and Power, visit bobbyandian.com slash lifeandpower. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, Come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Jesus told Peter again, 
In the book of Matthew, he said, Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. There's not just one, there's many. We pointed out four that occurred when that church began in Acts chapter two, was they began, first of all, in the apostles' doctrine, next of all, fellowshipping with one another, next of all, breaking of bread. That's just that's not just a communion, that's the, absolute, uh, the time of having meals together and finally in prayers. And so we have all these things there that made the local church successful. But you know what the church is? It's really a time when, thank God, we can pull away from the world and fellowship with Christians. Talk about things we can't talk about at the office. Speak about things. You know, that's why I tell Christians a lot, don't become friends with the world. Become friendly with them. This is how we save them. But as far as going out with people, go out with your Christian friends. Man, go out with people from the church. You know why? You can talk about things across the table you can't talk about with anybody else. I believe that your witnessing should happen in the office, on the streets, on the bus, if you ride the bus. Just times you meet with people to talk about Jesus. Jesus Christ, but you know what? You can lead them to Jesus, but you can't get in a deep conversation with them until they become a disciple. And here you are having friends around you in church that are disciples of the Lord, following him every single day. And you know what? You can talk about things you just can't talk about with anybody else and the joy that is there. Well, this does not occur if you don't go to church because the only ones you have is maybe a few people you know that are Christians go to other churches. But you know what? You need to become a part of a church and throughout the New Testament, it is stressed over and over again. Paul didn't write these letters so much to individuals, a couple of them, but they were ministers. The rest of them were all written to entire congregations of Romans and Galatians and Ephesians, these large cities and small cities that had churches, and Paul wrote to them. In fact, in the book of Galatians, he wrote to a number of churches. It's the only one dedicated and written to the churches of Galatia. All the rest of them are to the church. But there were different churches. There are different sizes. And God doesn't look at the size of the church. He looks at the heart of the people that are there and the heart of the minister who's going to teach the word of God is going to operate in the supernatural, pray for the sick, all the different things that church does. This is what God is looking for. And this is still what makes a successful church. And through the centuries, we've had people come up with all different types of ideas. Let's try this. And it's always something that works in business or something that works, you know, in some major corporation somewhere. And we read that. And of course, I'm all for taking small things we can do and help improve here and there. But the bulk of what we comes from the word of God. People still need Jesus. The answer is not in the world. The answer is not in business. It could be for business things, but not for the for your kingdom. The kingdom teaching comes from the church. And so again, this is what I'm talking about. And again, friends can get together, but churches again, band together missionaries are supported, evangelists are supported. And when someone comes to town, they back them with their finances and back them with maybe a place to speak. I mean, all these different things that happen because we are not just a local body. We're part of a nationwide body and we're actually part of a worldwide body. And they've all been called the same thing, the church. And whether the church is the universal church or whether it's, you know, the church of the United States or whether it's the church in the local area or your church you go to, it's still the same thing. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You and I are part of the church universal, but I ask you a question. Are you part of a local church? I, maybe I'm, I'm hitting your buttons here and you're saying, ah, I, I just don't like going to church. You've got other things to do. There's going to come a day you'll regret that. 
Because I don't think Jesus in heaven will tell you one of the things that was wrong with your life was you went to church too much or you gave too much money into the kingdom of God. There is no limit to how much church you can go to, no limit to how much finances you can put in the kingdom of God. You'll all be rewarded for it when you get to heaven and you'll be so glad there that you didn't hold back on church attendance, taking your children to church, Part of the success of my wife and I, we were both raised in church. We had no option. We were supposed to be there. But we didn't just go to church. We got involved. Oh, there was times growing up in junior high, especially, and headed toward high school. I was tired of church, and my friends didn't go to church, and I just wished I didn't go to church. But I can look back on it now, and all I can say to my dad, who's now in heaven, and my mom, who's now in heaven, Thank you for taking me to church. Thank you for saying on Sunday morning, you will be at the car at a certain time. Sunday night, you'll be at the car at a certain time. Midweek, you're going to be there at a certain time. And the times when my dad had revivals, I had to be there all seven nights. I got born again in a church. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a church. And I look back on it now and I can honestly say, I never missed anything that life had to offer that was worth not going to church. And so I'm gonna look forward to that in heaven. But I say the same thing to you. If you're not committed to a church, find a good church. On top of that, open up your heart. I believe God can lead you when you walk into a church. You'll just know when you walk in. Maybe the service hadn't even started yet. Maybe they're up there practicing some praise and worship. But the moment you walk in, you're gonna go, this is where I belong. I had people that joined our church through the 33 years I pastored. And there was somebody that said the same thing. It got a little old after a while. We came here to go to Rhema, to go to ORU or places like that. And they said this, they said, we decided we would visit since there's so many good churches in this town. We would just visit them from week to week and finally pick one that we liked. They said the second week, most of them said this, we went to another church last week. This, we walked into your church. But the moment we walked in, we just know we're not looking for another church. This is it. This is our home church while we are here in this city. And they found out later that the word was taught, the Holy Spirit was there, the praise and worship was good, all the different things we had. There were some that felt led to go to another church and listen, as, as long as they felt led, go where God wants you. I mean, we had people in our church that didn't like necessarily the emphasis I had on just the word, the word, the word. And what they said was, well, we want, we want missions. We would just want, we feel like you're not mentioning enough on missions and missions work and going into all the world, which I did preach on it, but it wasn't my main message. And finally they came one week and said, we'd realize that we're in the wrong church. We should be Billy Joe Darty's church. And Victory, they're the ones that teach on missions and he's very missions minded. Well, you know what? That's a great church, go there. But the point of it is there's certain churches that you identify with and you should go there. If you say, well, I can't find that thing, go to the best church in your town you can find and get dedicated there because a dedicated heart, God can lead, God can guide to even greater and better things. So what am I saying in all of this? The church is so important. And we seem to, through the years, at revival, it brings us back to the word. Revival always brings us back to the power of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and what we should really be doing. And churches suddenly start flourishing everywhere because that's what people want. But as soon as revival's over, we see a waning away from that. And pastors say, I got a better idea. I got a new idea. And it comes back to this. If Jesus is gonna build his church, why don't we get our ideas from him? and come back to what the word of God has to say. 
Today we have churches that cater to visitors. We have those that cater to sinners. What they want to do is kind of dumb it down a little bit, numb it down a little bit, so that when people walk in, they don't feel so like, what's going on here? And I realize there's always excess that happens in some churches, but you know what? Keep coming back to it to keep it in balance. Even 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, Everything should be done decently and in order. And that includes in the chapter, prophetic words, words of wisdom, a tongue, interpretation of tongue, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as well as the teaching of the word of God. And so what we have today is why should we not have altar calls for salvation or the Holy Spirit? People say, well, that really makes people feel embarrassed. Well, you know what? Throughout the centuries, people have got saved in front of other people. It's just a display of, you know what? I want Jesus so bad, I don't care what all these people think. But we're always trying to cater it to the person and so we don't invite people down to come to the front anymore to receive Jesus. It's if you want to, we have a room over here. And I understand, I mean, you know, for some people that's okay, but that's not what the word of God teaches. Jesus led people to the Lord in public. And there was a time when even as Jesus performed signs, wonders and miracles in John chapter eight, it says, and many believed in him. And Jesus stopped and pointed them out. The woman with the issue of blood, I'm sure maybe she was trying to stay in the background. Jesus had her stand up and give her testimony. Why is that important for people around to hear what God can do through this woman into this woman he can do for me? So, so again, uh, why do we not have altar calls in some churches for salvation or to receive the Holy Spirit? Or even as it says in the book of James chapter five, is there any sick among you call for the elders of the church? We ought to be able to have times when if you're sick, come up here, here's the elders of the church. We're gonna pray for you. And the Bible says the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. When's the last time you had prayer in your church for sick people? Jesus healed sick people. Paul heals sick people, Peter heals sick people, but he and John saw the man at the gate beautiful healed. Why can't we have healings in our own church service? Why would we not publicly pray for people's needs to be met? Is there people here today that are in financial needs? Stand up, we're gonna pray for you because we have compassion on you. And for some of you that are standing up, those around you, look, maybe there's a person there you're gonna feel led and you'll give of what you have because James says that also, that when we see our brother in need, we should give to him. So it's good for us to give to our brothers and sisters who are in need because we know something. They're not unemployed. They're not just sitting on a corner somewhere begging for money. These people actually, in church, have a job, and they've come across a crisis in their life. And one of the best things we can do as Christians is help them and come in and pitch in our money and pitch in our faith and our love to them to help them come through this time of problem. So the purpose of the church universal is to win souls. So why don't we have in local church service, let's have an invitation for people to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We kind of have gripey feelings about that, but you know what? Billy Graham did it for years and we rejoiced at how many people came down to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me just give you some scriptures again. Here's some scriptures on the fact that the church should be mainly catering to believers to see them grow in the things of God. Two parts to the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Notice, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The next one is to make uh, disciples out of all who have been born again. And the Bible doesn't say go into all the churches and preach the gospel, although it's fine and we should weave a salvation message into it. But the bulk of that message is designed for believers to make disciples out of them. Ephesians chapter one and verse one and Colossians chapter one and verse one, the books were 
were written to the saints and faithful brethren. Notice who the bulk of the people in church are. They are already saints and they are already faithful brethren. Psalm 111 verse one says, I will praise the Lord in the assembly of the upright. The upright are believers and this speaks of the congregation. So is it still fine to bring out a salvation message in there? Yes, and even give an invitation for the seven, eight, 10 people there that are not saved and will rejoice with the angels in heaven that somebody gave their life to Jesus Christ because it's considered all right to give your life to Jesus Christ in church. But the Bible teaches the main place we should be spreading the gospel is in the streets and the cities and the places that we work. I wanna thank you for standing with me in this broadcast. And if you're not one who has joined me to become a partner in this ministry, would you do so? Go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there on our website that you can become a partner with me. And believe me, I will love it. I will thank you for it, that you're helping to get this ministry out to others. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.